With taking your mess and making it your message, discovering your post-service identity. Today, we're doing this with best-selling author and Purple Heart recipient, Sean Parnell. Guys, welcome to the Military Wire with Mike Schindler. This is the podcast where we interview America's most elite men and women who have served this country. We share their stories of overcoming, their proven lessons in leadership, and their journey to finding mission and purpose. And before I get into introducing Sean and pulling him into the show, uh, guys, I, I just want to say straight up that we all know life can be messy. Uh, Gary, my production guy, is looking at me and say it's messy every time we do one of these because I keep changing the intro. But I think if we got serious about this topic between family, jobs, finances, there are so many battlefronts that require our attention the tap our energies, our resources, and seriously, if we're not careful, we can lose sight of our dreams and fall victim to our circumstances. And then you throw in military service and combat tours. I mean, life can be messy. I, I think all of us know somebody who's served multiple tours, um, combat tours, and after the first experience, you know, one comes back a little changed. And after multiple tours, there are internal battles that compete with the external ones. Uh, and sometimes our messes become even bigger. But I just want to say there is light to all of this, and there are ways to navigate the better days. And our guest today, New York best-selling author and Purple Heart recipient Sean Parnell, is going to help us unpack this subject. He is somebody that took his mess and made it part of his message, and he's going to share how all of you who are listening can do the same. Sean, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Mike. It, it's really great to be back. Uh, I, I love the show, and it, it's great to be a part of it. Yeah, no, I'm glad you're back. I, I, and we kind of shared, we, we talked about this a little offline, so I, I don't want to keep people in the dark on this, but you are becoming such a prolific writer, not only recognized in the military circles as a great writer, but throughout the industry. You're a best-selling author, featured on CNN, Fox News, You've got another book that's coming out here in September, September of 2019, All Out War, which uh, I have read the majority of it. So don't share the ending. Don't share anything about this book. I mean, you can share a little bit, but I mean, <laughs> this book is amazing. Um, but I know it was a journey getting here for you. So for those of you, I want you to share your story because some people don't know your story. So would you kind of share with us, you know, the unit you were a part of and what happened that resulted in you getting your Purple Heart? Yeah, of course. Um, well, I was a young lieutenant uh, in the 10th Mountain Division. I was in Bravo Company, 2nd Battalion, 87th Infantry Regiment, and this was back uh, in 2005 um, is when I in processed. And I got assigned to my – I got assigned to uh, an infantry platoon. Uh, we knew we were going to Afghanistan back in 2005, but – that's really all we knew. Um, and if you think back to that time uh, and what the new, what dominated the news cycle was the fact that, you know, America was was uh, in in Iraq dealing with a insurgency that was grow an insurgency that was growing out of control. Every single night, you heard of a, a new soldier uh, tragically being killed by from an IED, and. All the headline news every night was the surge, the surge, the surge. Yep. So, man, at the time, Afghanistan was just a stability and support operation. We weren't really getting any intelligence from uh, the front lines or from our unit that we were replacing in Afghanistan at all. Um, and 
I'll tell you, when we got there in 2006, we really just got thrown into a, a meat grinder, you know, yeah. uh, a renewed insurgency. The enemy had consolidated and reorganized in Pakistan and came at us hard in 2006. And my, my unit, my platoon, was there on the front lines for not just a year, but 485 days of just absolute hell of close combat every single day, day in and day mm. out, to where 85% of my platoon was wounded. My base took over three or 4,000 rockets, indirect fire attacks throughout that year. I mean, every single day we were getting hit, and um, that's what I had to live through. I got, and I myself also was wounded in the process. You know, I'm fractured my skull in a couple different places and was wounded on June 10, 2006. So, yeah, we had a really rough time over there for sure. Yeah, I remember, I remember that time that my best buddy was deployed over there uh, during that time. Um, he was working with the officer in charge of all the medical facilities over there. And uh, it, it was that year, 2006, that prompted me to write my first book uh, because of the op tempo you're talking about uh, between Iraq and Afghanistan. And, and to your point, Afghanistan was a footnote. And so many guys came back from that era, that time period, um, really overwhelmed by moral injury. I mean, you guys saw things, did things that most people don't want to know about. Um, that creates these conflicts, you know, demons of the past conflicts. But, Sean, you, you've done something pretty amazing through all this. You've kind of broken these chains, or at least you're working through them. How how'd you do that? How, I mean, how did you go from, you know, Purple Heart recipient, soldier, 10th Mountain, to suddenly, you know, writing books? I mean, how did you do it? Well, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, you know, first I'll just let me start in combat. You know, as as a leader, I felt – and knew going in that should we experience heavy combat, the responsibility of being in the moral compass and the moral heart of my platoon as the leader, 100% on me, you know. And so yeah. I, you know, I, I made it my business to check in with my men as often as humanly possible after firefights, talk to them about their experience, and really – when it looked like – because, look, when you fight an insurgency, it's really tough. I mean, you know that the, the civilians are involved. You know that civilians – some civilians are helping the enemy. It can be really frustrated, frustrating. And when you add to that the, you know, the dynamics of the politics on the base and commanders that maybe shouldn't be in command, and, and it just – it can be overwhelming. So, I mean, there were times in combat where we would see a wounded enemy soldier, like, on the battlefield and – I had soldiers, and, and I get it where, where this comes from. The, I had soldiers that wanted to kill those those enemy soldiers, would not allow it. Yep. And when an enemy has a weapon, they're a threat. It's our duty and responsibility to take them out. But when they don't have a weapon, it becomes our responsibility to treat them. And we never made one single mistake the entire time or did anything that we were ashamed of um, other than take the fight to the enemy. So I think that that – I mean, that the importance of that factor in a leader's role – with regards to preventing moral injuries and being the moral compass of your platoon cannot be overstated. And so I know that I don't, I don't lose a wink of sleep over, you know, back here in the States over, over the conflicts that we had with the enemy. You know, obviously the things that bother me are the children and the innocents who were caught in the middle and yeah. who the enemy made a target of. That stuff bothers me. I think about that stuff every day, but you know, segue for me when I get back in the States, it's like I, languished and I struggled when I first came back too, you know, because it's like you go from a, and just think of it in the most simple terms, you go from the greatest military force the world has ever known 
you know, where you're a warrior in one of, in a prestigious unit, you know, yep. leading men in combat with a, with purpose, duty, responsibility, to coming out and having nothing, none of that. And yep. so I struggled a lot, man. I mean, I really did. And so, you know, I think that struggle was, you know, in service to finding a, a purpose, something greater than myself. And eventually, you know, I found that purpose um, in writing. Uh, but ultimately, the catalyst behind the writing was helping to bridge that, under, that gap of understanding between, you know, uh, the, the men and women who defend freedom on a day-to-day basis and the people who enjoy it. That's what Outlaw – the whole reason why I wrote Outlaw Between, my first nonfiction book, was to capture the legacy of my men on the page and ensure that from generation to generation, their heroic actions on the battlefield were passed down. And I realized – what an uphill fight it was to bridge that cultural gap between veterans and civilians. Yeah. It was just, even a best-selling book was, was almost not enough. Yeah. So that's where I got the idea of trying to write mainstream fiction stories whose main character embodies those qualities of our men and women on the battlefield. So that's why I do what I do, you know. And so you know, I really I, think that serving, ser- serving something greater than myself is what I continue to do. At least that's what I, t- I tell myself that all the time. I'm still in the fight. I'm still in the mission. Yeah, I, I I love that. But I, I think it, it, you said something that it resonated not only with me. I was certainly that guy when I got out. I jumped, you know, fourteen different jobs. Right? I was in search of that. Yes. You know, you know, what is it? What am I going to do after being part of you know something so amazing and now I'm not? So what am I going to do? So I think what you you landed on was really understanding or discovering that post service identity, and for you it became writing. Um, I love that. And I love how you came up with Eric Steele. So Eric Steele is your absolute 100% Jason born to the 10th level, in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> but what I also love about him is he's flawed, right? I mean, he's, he's real. Uh, he's not a superhero. Um, he's just, you know, he's just amazing. So had, I, I want to tap your brain on this because Sean, I'm, I'm not building up. I'm really being honest here that you are an awesome writer. You are able to really tell a story through your characters. How did you come up with these storylines? Oh, well, the storylines, what I try to do is I try to, like, I, I try to think of, of these books uh, in terms of, like, a new term that is sort of made up, faction, right? They're fiction, but they're based in our world. So I take the world as it is or how I'd like it to be. And I take something that I think is particularly dangerous or something that could be particularly dangerous if we stayed on a certain path, and I try to build a story around it. The first book, uh, Man of War, was about, like, the Iranian nuclear deal and how I thought that was very dangerous for American national security and, and, and geopolitics in the Middle East, right? That was a yep. core component of the book, and I wrote – I feel like I tried to write a really fun action thriller around that, Right. And so in All Out War, in the next book, what I try to do is look at Israel as it pertains to geopolitics in the Middle East and their alliance with the United States, how, it, how they're our greatest ally in the Middle East. But in large part, sometimes that relationship can be pretty tenuous. Yeah. And so I try to look at the tea leaves as it pertains to foreign policy and geopolitics and look at where we're going, right? And so I wrote the book, like one of the things that happens in All Out War is an embassy move. Uh, in, in an American embassy being moved to Jerusalem in, in, in Israel. Well, I wrote and turned in that manuscript before President Trump actually did it, you know? So no I'm way. To look, 
I'm t- yes, yes. So I'm trying to just get a sense of where we're going and where the political winds are shifting. And I try to write that in a book, you know. And so, so people that are into that stuff will read it. But also, again, like I try to write action stories. I want there to be a lot of action. So I also try to, you know, while I'm seizing upon these foreign policy elements that I put in the in the story, I also try to take five action sequences that I think have never been done before and and, and write to them, if that makes sense. Oh, well, let me just tell you, having read the majority of this book, uh, it, it is moving. It is so fast paced. Uh, you create the visuals, um, that I can see in my mind. Like I'm, I'm already thinking, okay, this is a movie. And it, when this is a movie, I will be one of the first in that theater watching this thing. Uh, and I was so impressed by the book, the fact that you had, I was like, how did he do this? I mean, it, you know, how did you write this 200-page-plus book uh, and highlight some of these things that are going on today? So the fact, I, I mean, now you're read, you, you truly are reading the tea leaves, buddy. I mean, I... <laughs> you know, I'm trying, you know, and, and ultimately, like, Eric Steele, what I tried to do with this character is, is I'm, he is made in the image of the men and women who wear uniform for this country, right? Yeah. The dilemmas that he faces, while they're like elevated in the book, right? I, I draw them out, I distill them, I mean, I ratchet things up exponentially in terms of what he faces. But the dilemma, that, the, the, the core dilemma and the questions that he asks himself is one of what, is, is the mission worth it? Like, am I in the fight for the right reasons? Yeah. Is my involvement in this mission affecting the people that I love and care about? And in an all-out war, look, his mom gets hurt because of his job, right? So yep. how many mothers and fathers in this country get hurt? Maybe not, not physically, but, but emotionally because of their son or daughter's job and service to the country. It yep. takes a toll. That's what these books are all about. And, that, and Eric Steele finds himself asking these questions all the time. You know, and facing these dilemmas that are men and women facing the battlefield every day. And yeah. There has yeah. never been a mainstream character that has that has been written from that perspective. And honestly, I mean, this is why I did it. This is why I'm doing it, because I want to draw attention to what our men and women go through every day. And I want to do it in a fun, mainstream, fiction-y type of way, right? Yeah. Well, you're doing a great job of this. I love this book. And, and I'm just going to say that people need to pick up all that war for sure. I, I, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about American Warrior Initiative. This is your nonprofit. Uh, tell us some of the cool stuff you're doing with this. Well, uh, so we are so lucky uh, with the American Warrior Initiative to be, uh, we are fully sponsored by a mortgage company, by Fairway Mortgage. And like, you know, this is just a company that, I mean, they're true believers in support of our military, and they fund us completely, all of our overhead. And the reason why that's important is it gives us the ability to donate 100% of the proceeds that we raise to veterans, first responders, and their families. And I'm so, that matters a lot yeah. to people who donate to the cause. They want to know where their money's going. And so what we found, I mean, we initially started by giving mortgage-free homes to veterans and uh, we soon realized that maybe not everybody's ready for a home, right? Or maybe yeah. they don't need a home. Maybe they need something else. So we tried to diversify what we what we uh, give to to veterans and their families, whether it's a furnace or new windows, a new car, uh, whatever. Until uh, recently, we started focusing on service dogs. And so for the last uh, couple of years, we partnered with a service dog organization with the express sole purpose 
of getting service dogs into the hands of veterans who desperately need them. And I'll tell you, Mike, this is important because the wait list for service dogs are very long. And by the time a veteran finds himself at the top of the list, oftentimes they can't afford the dog anyway. Service dogs are really expensive. So mm-hmm. our organization, like we don't like bureaucracy. We're super flexible with the way that we can give and move, and we move quickly. So we cut the red tape, and we get dogs into the hands of vets who need them the most, and we're really, really, really proud of that work. It's hard work, um, but it's worthwhile. So you want to talk about, you know, untangling the mess of the, the of the mess of transition, right? I struggled like crazy when I first got home. But yeah. this is just another way where I can stay in the fight. Stay, you know, I don't need a title or rank or I don't need to be a congressman or senator. I don't need a, a you know, to be a captain still in the military to make a difference, right? Find something that matters to you and and the most important thing is serve something greater than yourself, you know? And stay in the fight. Yeah. That's, that's what we try to do. I love that. I mean, that's that's a great bit of advice right there. I think, you know, in the transition piece, there is so much focus on, hey, be sure you get those certifications, be sure you get those PMPs, all good stuff, right? Degrees, things like that. Uh, but again, in some ways, we're kind of we're 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 following that same pattern of getting the titles and getting the certifications and trying to build that up. And then when we get out, you know, the uniform stripped. Right? We don't know who we are, that post-service identity. And I think you're speaking to that is really find something that drives you, gets you out of bed in the morning that you can still give back and feel like you're adding value. Is, is that fair to say? say yeah, that well, right, right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that I would say that the people who didn't serve, you know, because there are so many people that come out of college with a, with, with a major, they don't really know what the heck they're going to do with their life. Um, yeah. and, and so, but even if you're, you're in the military and you're getting out, I mean, think about it like this. You're trained to shoot, move, and communicate together. And then you go to combat, and then you fight, bleed, and you die together. And then you come home, and everybody goes their separate ways. That experience, just just from a collective identity back to shedding the uniform and being an, an individual again, is going to be monumentally challenging, just, just for that reason that I just explained in and of itself, right? So the, the, the critical component, what the best piece of advice, that I could give to people that are transitioning is don't lose sight of why you volunteered to serve during the longest period of war of nation's history. That ultimately is putting others before yourself. The recognition that it's not about you. The transition is hard. It's jarring. It's tough, but it is not personal, right? Nobody yeah. owes you anything. And it's not about you. So, Find ways in everything that you that, that you do to put others before yourself, you know, whether it's volunteering for a charity or getting more involved in your church or uh, something that you're passionate, you believe in that puts others before you, you will feel a sense of satisfaction outside the uniform that you felt when you were in the military. No. So, you know, it's not about you. Yeah, Sean, that's, that's I, I... what veterans have to remember. Yeah, I love that. I, 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 it's so good. So important to remember that. Um, which is not a hard transition to make, right? Because it was always we, never I, but then we get out in the right. corporate and, and, and it becomes I and trying to figure out how to navigate that piece. Uh, and still, it still remember that, you know, when we put our eyes on others, it's amazing how the world moves in our direction. So absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Look, a rising tide lifts all ships. 
Yeah. It's very easy in the civilian world to put, you know, yourself first. And it's, I don't even mean that in a sinister way. You know, everyone wants to get paid. Everyone wants to have a good job. Everyone wants to get that promotion. Um, you know, everyone wants to get accepted into that college. And so to a certain extent, you are your own best advocate, right? Like nobody's going to advocate for you like you. In fact, um, that's what they say to us in the military. You know, you're your own best S1. Like, of course you have to take care of yourself. Yep. But a core component of everything that you do, you have to put others before you. It's not about you. At the end of the day, living a life that is fulfilling is about putting others first. Now, I'm telling you, even if you get that job and you put yourself first your entire life and you're making $3 million a year, every year, until the day that you die, not a single person is coming to your funeral because you made $3 million a year for 20 years. That doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is the legacy that you leave, and the only way that you can leave a legacy is putting others first. Oh, Sean, so good, so good, so good. I love having you on the show. So I, I, I want to be sure people get your book because this all-out war, uh, I don't want to say it's your best book because I really loved the first book. I loved Outlaw Platoon. I mean, that, oh, gosh, uh, you write so great. <laughs> so hurry up and Thank write Thank you. Book. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, but. I'm all, working on it now. Working on it now. I'm working on the third book right now. <laughs> this is yeah, my okay. best, you know? Well, All Out War is awesome. So how do people get this book? You know, you can get All Out War anywhere books are sold in all formats. So it's an ebook. There's an awesome audiobook. R.C. Bray reads the audiobook. He brings it to life. Or if you're an old school guy like myself, you can pick up a hardcover anywhere books are sold. Okay. That is awesome. Sean, great having you on the show. Uh, I love having you on the show, and I definitely want you to be a repeat because you always share so much just beyond, you know, the fact that you're a great writer and have served this country so well. The advice that you give is so powerful, and if people would take it, implement it, execute on it, uh, I think they'll see a tremendous change in their life. So for those who want to learn more about American Warrior Initiative, go to AmericanWarriorInitiative.com, find out about that organization, support that organization, be part of Sean's great work there. To find Sean's latest book, All Out War, visit Amazon, visit the bookstores, ask for it. You will not be disappointed uh, about that at all. That book will just have you enthralled, uh, hands down. And guys, if you're looking to discover your post-service identity, and really get back on a pathway to success, be sure that you reach out to us and one of our team members will get a hold of you at omfcares.org. Sean, as always, a pleasure having you on the show. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me again.